bam 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 wow well we did it it was a long time coming and we made it here (laughs) the bait man oh my gosh we just saw the bait man matt reeves the bait man the batman (laughs) so much to talk about we're just gonna jump into it right gabe Right, I was looking up the budget just out of curiosity. Hey, why don't you look up the budget out of curiosity and let me know the Batman's budget? What it is? It's being said that it's possibly two hundred million. I was gonna say it looked expensive. Was it expensive? Not seeing a for sure number, but I think we can we can run up about to somewhere around there. Okay. Well, and every penny was worth it, right, Steve? Yeah, Gabe. Gabe. This is gonna be. I can't. I can't condense. And your name's already condensed by saying Gabe. Gabriel. <laughs> Just call me G. No. All right. We discussed that on like our first episode. <laughs> I know it's a throwback joke for the long time listeners. Episode one hundred one hundred and thirty eight. <laughs> Here we are. Wow. First of all, I need to talk about Batman. Batman. Yeah. The Batman. The same. Do you want to do a complete? No, comic history no, like with no, Spider-Man no, 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 no. for an hour and a half? Uh, actually, I would love to. Uh, honestly, love to. But you know this character pretty well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There you go. I can, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Batman is my second favorite comic book superhero of all time, right behind Spider-Man. So if you go listen to our Spider-Man No Way Home podcast that came out at the end of December, beginning of January you'll understand my love for Spider-Man and you can just imagine that, you know, I love Batman, not, not equally, but like a lot, like there's a, there's a lot of love for Batman. He's my second favorite comic book superhero character of all time. And so I used to read Batman comics all the time. I, I know his stories very well, so much so that I compare all the live action adaptations, all the movies that we've seen, the Keaton, the Bale, the Kilmer, the Kilmer, the Clooney, the Clooney's, the Batflex, the Wests, the Wests. Yeah. The, the Kevin Conroy's, the Will Friedle's. Wow. Uh, I compare them all to the comic book source and I, I hold them in contrast very highly and I want them to be as good as the comic books. I mean, if you look right there, Gabe, you can see I have Bat- Batman comics, a bunch of them right there, next, right next to you. There's several, yeah. And so I'm a huge Batman fan. So I, and I love, I love the character. I know, I feel like I know the character of Bruce Wayne and the Batman pretty intimately. Like I, he's, I feel like he's part of my, my psyche or my understanding. Like I understand his motive and his, his character so well that when I see I'm not saying that this movie's an offender of this, but when I see something from any any of the movies or any of the, any of the representations of Batman that isn't in line with the comic books, I immediately can like flag it and go, "Oh, that's not Batman," you know, because because he's like part of me. You know what I mean? Are you Batman? Batman? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying I can recognize it and I can flag it right, almost right. immediately. Uh-huh. Anyway, so that is my history with the Batman. Uh, secondly, I should say I've seen everything. You've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen it all. I've seen pretty much almost every iteration of Batman, including all the the cartoons. 
Uh, You're even familiar with the games, the Arkham the games, games. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done a lot. I've been around. Been around for a while. I grew up on the Adam West Batman, actually. Like, I used to watch that all the time when I was younger. Uh, I, did, bef- I did, too, actually. Really? But he, he was the only Batman I knew before, like... Yeah. I saw snippets of Kilmer and Clooney, but it was... Uh, and Keaton. But it was Adam West for me until Chris Nolan came in. Okay, so I need to say that... I need to say this statement before we get into everything else. I need to say that... Uh-oh. Up until Ben Affleck's Batman, I personally believed that there had never been an accurate representation of the character of Batman slash Bruce Wayne portrayed in live action. Wow. Are you willing to testify? <laughs> I think that's that's pretty fair. And I can... Elaborate? I can, yeah, I can elaborate a little bit. For example... People love Christian Bale and the Nolan movies, but I'm like, no, Christian Bale was not Batman. That wasn't the character of Batman. What you were seeing was Christopher Nolan's version of what he thought was Batman. That's what you watched. That's what everyone, and everyone thinks that's Batman. That's not actually Batman. I'm sorry. It's just not. I mean, any comic book fan, I think, could tell you that. But, for example, when you meet Bruce Wayne, Batman... In The Dark Knight Rises, he had stopped being Batman for eight years up to that point. Batman would never do that. <laughs> not not even close. Not even in the slightest. Would he be like, oh, I'm so emotionally hurt and damaged at this point that I just, I, I couldn't continue to be Batman any longer, you know? So that's a good example of what I mean. I'm, I'm holding the movies up to the comics and comparing them, and I'm seeing that... Most of the time, especially in the character of Bruce Wayne, but very much in line with Batman and, and how Batman acts in the movies, they're not really the same. The best version of Batman that I've ever seen, not live action, is Kevin Conroy. He's the voice actor who portrayed the animated Batman series back in the 90s, and he's continued to voice them ever since. And I name-dropped Will Friedle, who took on Terry McGinnis. He took on the mantle of Batman in Batman Beyond in those uh, animated seasons. And that's, to me, like, like they really got Batman right. And then, and then Kevin Conroy in, like, the Arkham games, where he reprised his role as Batman for those. And the Batman in those video games and those storylines were spot on. You know, that's exactly who Batman was. So it's always crazy to me when, like, Warner Brothers comes in and they announce like a new movie, like, Hey, we're going to do another Batman. We got another director who says they know what they're doing. We got another, uh, here's the, here's the casting, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh God, here we go again. And up until when Zack Snyder did Ben Affleck, I think he was the closest I'd ever seen to like being an actual, like it was almost like every page for page like a representation of like taking Batman out of the comics and putting him on the screen. And it was almost incredible. And I really wanted that solo Ben Affleck Batman movie and we're never going to get it now, which is so sad. But anyway, so when people would ask me like, what would you do differently, Steven? One of the things I would often say is like, if you were to make a live action Batman movie, one of the things I would say is, well, I would make him a detective because he's known in the comics as the world's greatest detective the world's greatest detective. The world's greatest? 
Yes. Congratulations. And I would put him up against the Riddler because like Mysterio was my favorite villain of all time and always has been. The Riddler has always been my second favorite villain of all time. There's a Spider-Man and Batman contrast. Cerebral villains. Yeah. I love the cerebral villains that challenge the intellect of the protagonists. And so you have the Riddler who is very thoughtful, maniacal planner, you know, contrasting the detective side of Batman. So when people would ask me, Stephen, what would you do for a live action adaptation of Batman? It was that it was, I want to show the detective side of Batman figuring out how to circumvent the Riddler's insanity, you know? And then Matt Reeves came out and he started saying, this is what I want to do for my Batman movie, which we, you know, now know as the Batman. I want to make the detective Batman with the Riddler as the villain. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) because that's what we got. So going into this is like, there's a big difference between Ben Affleck's Batman and even the the marketing for Robert Pattinson's Batman and, and the feeling and the tone. Ben Affleck's Batman, in my opinion, was like watching the comic books come to life. Pattinson's Batman looked a lot more like the Nolan films and like really gritty and dark and down to earth, I guess, or grounded, grounded, whatever. But, you know, getting the ideas of the Batman being character wise, personality wise, correct. And being the world's greatest detective and having the Riddler be, you know, someone that challenges his intellect. So going into this movie, I was very skeptical and I also felt like personally attached <laughs> because I have been saying this for a long time and like, we need to see Batman is the world's greatest detective and we need to see a good iteration of the Riddler. That's not Jim Carrey and not the Riddler we saw back in the West show. So one of my favorite comic books of all time, not just Batman comics, but comic books of all time is the long Halloween and really get to see how amazing the Riddler actually is as a villain. And they took parts of the long Halloween and adapted it for the Nolan films. And, you know, the long Halloween is just like a celebrated comic book for not just for again, Batman fans, but just in general comic books anyway, but seeing the Riddler, you know, he's pretty amazing. And, uh, here we go. So, so March 4th, the days finally arrived. We are here. The Batman has come out and, we went to see it. So you were skeptical sitting down, maybe a little apprehensive. How did you feel as the movie started playing? We hear our uh, big opening notes. <laughs> well, and honestly, it's hard to talk about because because all I can really think of now is that I've already seen it. It's already happened to me. It's in the past. and And now I can look back on it, so... I'd rather not focus on my feelings whilst watching it. I'd rather focus on the knowledge that I have now that I have watched it. Right. So. And what is that? (laughs) How do you feel now? Well, should we save our feelings for the, for the end as we normally do, or should we? Is that what we normally do? (laughs) We have a formula here. It was a three hour film. A lot of plot. Lots of hours. (laughs) Well, Matt Reeves. Who is Matt Reeves, Gabe? Matt Reeves was born Matthew George Reeves on April 27th, 1966, in Rockville Center, New York, United States. Cloverfield. <laughs> yeah, he's the Cloverfield guy. 
He brought us Cloverfield. I think that was his first feature film. And he was like sort of buddies with J.J. Abrams. So he's, oh, yeah. he's like a branch off of Abrams. And then he started to direct a bunch of really good stuff. Let Me In. I am a fan. Yeah, Let Me, Let Me In is a great uh, American adaptation of a, a Swedish film about a young vampire uh, befriending a reclusive antisocialite young boy. I've seen both, actually. Oh, nice. But honestly, the American Let Me In is really good. It's very, very good. He th- he did a good job. I, I just liked what they did in the version better. And then he rose to... Stardom. Stardom. With the second and third installations of the New Planet of the Apes trilogy. Mm-hmm. Both really good films as well. Who did the first one? Rise was... Uh, Rupert Wyatt. And you can see that, you know, he his relationship with Andy Serkis must have started right yeah. there in, in those movies because Andy Serkis was the star of those films. And then his next film was The Batman. Yep. So he's only done like four or five movies. And I guess this is all because of the fallout of Ben Affleck leaving the role, right? That this was made possible? Yes. Because he, like you said, was going to have a solo film. Yeah, and I'm unsure if this was originally pitched as... The Bat, the Batflex solo film, which would have been rad to see, to be honest. But I thought that already had plot details and stuff, like with Joe Mangiello's yeah. Deathstroke. Yeah, I, I'm unsure actually how everything transpired behind the scenes. I've heard rumors, but it doesn't really matter. I can't see Ben Affleck in this film, <laughs> to be honest. This feels like a very different kind of Batman, as you've already said. But yeah, so want to talk about the cinematographer first? Yeah, I'd love to. My man Greg Frazier on the sticks, goaded on the sticks, the one who shot Dune and Rogue One, beautiful films, and uh, he shot this too. Wow, yeah, that that guy's got something special. He's got an eye for sure, a cinematic eye. And Michael Giacchino did the score. He's, he's he he invented the two notes that made <laughs> made up the score of Batman. I feel like that. Yeah, he really milked that. <laughs> he did. He he did a good job in other ways. There was this sort of uh, adaptation of Ave Maria that played throughout, which was really cool. And then the Riddler's sort of theme was really haunting. Uh, I couldn't even tell you the melody of it and like you know vocalize it for you. It's but pretty scary. Notes. But uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, by the last time you heard the Riddler's kind of haunting theme, I think it had like strings or something. Mm-hmm. It was recognizable as his theme, and that was really cool. I love the production design in this as well, and the set design. I thought it was some of the best versions of live-action Gotham I had ever seen. It's James Chinland, who has worked with Reeves uh, before, as well as on The Fountain. Oh, I love The Fountain. I love The Fountain and Requiem for a Dream. And who wrote it? And it was written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Yeah, Peter, Peter Craig is... Uh, Peter Craig had written a bunch of stuff, including... He did The Town. He did The Town. He did the... Um, Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> did some work on Hunger Games. Hunger Games series, yeah. Anyway, so the cast. We got Robbie Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, who has done a lot of incredible work in the last 10 years, especially with smaller indie films, yeah. like The Lighthouse. Yep, like The Lighthouse. He's Bruce Wayne. He's Bruce Wayne and Batman. Andy Serkis is... Alfred, the butler that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not in as much as you'd think, though. But he's important. Yeah, he is important. 
There's Zoe Kravitz, mm-hmm. daughter of Lenny Kravitz, as uh, Selena Kyle. Jeffrey Wright, Lieutenant James Gordon. He's a, was, he was, this might have been one of my favorite things I've ever seen him in, to be honest. I'm a big Jeffrey Wright fan. I think this might have been my favorite thing I've ever seen him do. It's high praise. Have you seen Westworld season one? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. I like this more. Uh, we had a mystery man as Oz, Cobblepot, the penguin. <gasps> Who, Who was, was it? It? <laughs> <laughs> it was Colin Farrell. What? Unrecognizable. Unrecognizable in I, the role. I haven't seen a transformation like that in some time, regardless of whether or not it was makeup. It was insane. It was crazy. Well done. <laughs> well played, Colin. Uh, Paul Dano uh, as the, the Riddler. He's the guy. Yeah, he Incredible. was. We had Peter Sarsgaard as uh, Coleman, Dis- was it? District Attorney Gil Coulson. Coulson. One of the guys that the Riddler goes after. And that was really random, but it was good to see him. Yeah, and John Turturro. John Turturro played Falcone, or Falcone. Kind of a playing against type there, John. But he, it, he did he did a great job. Yeah. Really a, a surprise to see him. I did not expect it for him to pop up. I, I laughed when he popped up because I was like, oh, John, <laughs> my old friend. Uh, and then... I was just going to say the, the mayor, the new mayor was uh, Bella Real, played by Jamie Lawson. Yeah. She was kind of important. Yeah. And we had a surprise guest. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? favorite part of the movie. I was the opposite of that for me. In an otherwise very enjoyable experience, I'll tease my take right now. This was the least interesting part of the film to me. Mm -hmm. Same. Uh, Me as well. Was uh, Barry Keegan or Keoghan, depending on how you... I've heard it both ways. Recently recently (laughs) seen in Eternals. Oh yeah, he's in everything now. And he popped up in a spoiler spoiler role. Spoilers. Big spoilers. He's credited as unseen Arkham prisoner, but everybody knows that he is the Joker. And not a great Joker. You know what it reminded me of the first time? I mean, we've I've only seen his scene once, but <laughs> the the it reminded me of the Ed scene in the live action Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> oh yeah. I was just like, no. <laughs> I love so close. I love Barry, but yeah. this wasn't it. I yeah. think. Yeah. Felt very CW. It did, in not a good way. It did. But that was just a little thrown at the end because it feels like they might be fishing for a a trilogy or you know more more Batman movies setting up. Uh, yeah, I think a sequel to this is inevitable, and Matt Reeves has already been talking about it like crazy on the on the interwebs. He's oh, really. Yeah, he's teased uh, Mr. Freeze really hard. What? Which is my third favorite villain of all time. <laughs> Marius is just going for I'm it. just dying inside. <laughs> um, no, but Mr. Freeze is an amazing villain. And did, did he like mention anything like who he wanted to cast? No, I don't. I don't. No. Can we bring back Arnold? I'm not worried about the ca- <laughs> the, the casting has been great in these movies, apart from Barry Keegan. But Rip. anyway, that's the cast. Yeah. What happens in this movie, Gabe? Well, this movie, as you've already said, it's uh, it plays on the detective Batman angle that everyone was looking for, and we get kind of a Zodiac or Seven David Fincher esque story here with the Riddler, where he's leading Batman around the city to unravel this ring of corruption that runs deep all the way to the core of Gotham, <laughs> uh, and basically finds its way to the story of Bruce's father, Thomas Wayne, and that's. Uh, where it all comes together is uh the riddler uncovers some dirt 
some stuff that even Bruce Wayne didn't know. Nobody knows. The Batman the, didn't know. The Batman. World's greatest what now? And, uh, but was he? <laughs> he <laughs> well, was close. But was he? I think in 10 years he could be the world's greatest detective. So maybe I'll be the, yeah, maybe I'll be the world's greatest detective at the end. I mean, how'd you not know this about your own dad and your mom? You know what I mean? Uh, well, you lied to me, Alfred. Alfred lied <laughs> for ten years or twenty years. He lied, but yeah. Do you want to, you want to go into more detail about the? No, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Riddler sp- spoilers starts killing important people in the city. <laughs> Riddler plays the Heath Ledger Joker role in this mm-hmm. film. Yeah, it's basically it. It's basically the Dark Knight again, but with Paul Dano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But instead, 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 the Riddler uses TikTok instead of and duct tape <laughs> and rats. <laughs> instead, instead yeah, of that was a really interesting angle. Just the video camera. They play off of social media a lot, which I did not anticipate. Yeah. Um, which is funny because they even did a little stuff like that in The Dark Knight with the Joker making those viral videos. You know. Yeah, but he even had like a video, like a camcorder. Yeah. And that's something I think Nolan made sure to throw in because it gives it gave it this whole analog kind of timeless feel mm-hmm. and this this was just a that that actually that aspect of it having it be a little much yeah that was a little tough for me to get past like the like come on really it was kind we're, of a we're doing tiktok it's a bit of a hello fellow we're doing li- we're doing live stream on instagram right now like really thanks to all the commenters he's, he's got 500 followers like I was yeah like, i wasn't sure if that was supposed to be played straight or if i was supposed to be like smiling uh, yeah because anyway. that's not a lot Unless they're talking dark web, which they may have been. They, because, were, they were because that yeah. was like a very specific video. But right. they, earlier in the film, they had uh-huh. said he had like thousands of followers or something. So Yeah. He's, he's big time. Yeah. He's probably got sponsors and everything. <laughs> Except he lives in a shithole. <laughs> My God. <laughs> he lives across the... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the Batman tracks him down with the help of Selena Kyle, played by Zoe Kravitz. After totally playing into his hand. And Jeffrey Wright, yeah, yeah, he's misguided. He he isn't the world's best detective. And anyway, they capture the Riddler, and then the Riddler blows up the city. And the Batman didn't see it coming because he was not the world's greatest detective. He was the world's like top ten greatest detectives, but was he upcoming? Like projected top ten? Yeah, they did a lot of work to make you like understand that Batman was better than even the detective on the police department squad. That yeah. they had there, he's like a better detective than them. But. I love that first scene where he walks into the murder scene and he's picking up on everything that yeah. no one else is seeing, yeah. and then the, the crime scene photographer is following him around, mm-hmm. like just taking pictures of the things that he's looking at. That was smart. I mean, that was what I anticipated. Mm-hmm. I would have taken it a step further if it were my Batman. I would have had him anticipating things that no one could anticipate, and then having him be right because Batman is mostly always right, always one to three steps ahead of everybody else. It's like a superhuman intellect is and what so, you what Yeah, you want. pretty much, pretty much. And and the fact that they didn't do that really was upsetting for me. The fact that like the Riddler got the best of him in the end was like, I wasn't a fan of that. Anyway, so yeah, and then, then he blows up the city. He has a bunch of followers. <laughs> Much like the Joker, and they they all put on his mask and post up and start shooting people. 
Batman has to come in and stop him. And I love the whole flood the city thing. That was kind of crazy and out of nowhere. Yeah. It was the faint within a faint that you see a lot of these days with, you know. Sure. Luring the, the viewer into this false sense of security. Yeah, I did like that aspect. And I liked, I mean, the Batman coming in at the end and taking everybody down in the rafters was really reminiscent of the end of the Dark Knight as well. Mm-hmm. And then it ended in a pretty good way. You know, I re- like... I really liked the Selena Kyle uh, that we got here and, and the relationship between her and the Batman. Batman had a lot of development in this film with his own yeah, so journey. Let's get into that because let's, let's talk about the feelings. Our feelings are like... Yes, okay. our feelings. The feelings we have collectively and individually. Your feelings and mine? Yeah. Do you want to start? Yours and mine. <laughs> no, no. I mean... Based off of what you were just saying, the one thing I think this film got very right about Batman was the emotion and the motives. And every step of the way, Matt Reeves did a great job directing. I really think he did a really good job directing this film uh, and leading the audience to believe the actions of the characters. Mm -hmm. So you really felt the weight of every decision the characters were making. Uh, You really understood how it must have like how it must feel to be an orphan because they talked about that a lot. So you, you had a massive sympathy angle, not just for Bruce Wayne, but other people that also were orphaned. A lot of orphans. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Honestly, that was like a theme, you know, Selena Kyle, Riddler, Batman were all like basically orphans. So yeah, it was, and then, you know, it played off of capitalism and white privilege. and There was uh, a lot of social commentary. A lot of social commentary. Even in the end with, like, the whole, you know, outside of those things you just mentioned, like, the people that were taking up arms <laughs> against the government f- for the Riddler's cause because of their, mm-hmm. the, un- the injustice, you know, and the, it's basically, like, class warfare kind of angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You, you get to see a lot of those uh, that emotional journey play out specifically for Batman with Selina Kyle. That dynamic was very integral to the film, and that was one of my favorite parts. It was also really, honestly, very comic book accurate. Their relationship was the best I have ever seen between a Batman and a Catwoman live action adaptation. That was spot on, like yeah. straight out of the comics. I was like, wow, you guys nailed this. All the way down to the writing and like the the dialogue and the things that were coming out of their mouths. Uh huh. And I love Michelle Pfeiffer, but I agree wholeheartedly that uh, I don't know Zoe Kravitz. I didn't know what to expect going into it, but she I loved her in this. She role. was essentially Euphoria Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> she was. Yeah. In fact, to speak a moment just towards all the performances except for Barry. Sorry, Barry. Uh, everyone just I think nailed it. Like Gordon was great. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Dana. Jeffrey Wright was like, like, for example, if you compare it to the Westworld season one performance, he didn't have a lot to do. He was very stoic, mm-hmm. obviously, because he's a robot, but. <laughs> spoilers. But, <laughs> <laughs> spoilers for Westworld season one. But um, no, in this, he, he had so much more to do and to play off of. And God, the scene when they're like, when they're talking. In the room. Uh, in the room and. And you think he's going to, like, rip him a new one. He, like, basically goes over and kisses him on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's such a good guy. Yeah. Gordon has never been this nice. Well, I think in, in the film adaptations. That's not true. That's not true. Gary, well, Gary Oldman was that nice. But but you really got to understand just of how a good-natured 
good-hearted cop Gordon actually is in contrast to the other police around him. So um, that was really nice to see. And, and you really got to see the relationship between him and Batman as well, which I felt like didn't even come across even in the, the Nolan films. You really got to understand that relationship. And like they basically are just these two guys working together to take down all of the corruption in Gotham. And that's exactly how it is. And I loved that aspect of it. It was also very comic book accurate. So, Yeah, that extended runtime gave them a lot of space to just be together, the two of them. Yeah, I like feel it's like a duo. Yeah, to talk about a little bit about the extended runtime, I feel like Warner Brothers has been giving a little bit more freedom to their directors lately, just to make like kind of auteur versions or of their comic book films. Like, like we had that, we saw it with James Gunn, we saw it with the jo- Joker, <laughs> the Joker. I think they, <laughs> yeah, just Joker. No, we saw it with Joker. We saw it with Todd Phillips. We saw it with James Gunn. We see it here with Matt Reeves. And all of those three people have said Warner Brothers didn't put a lot of limitations on their filmmaking. I think it's like Warner Brothers knows at this point they have nothing left to lose, and they're just throwing everything. But, but I think it's working. It remind it like, and they're actually making good films now. You know, for all intents and As, purposes. Well, it's because they're they're finally like getting yeah the fact that you know they don't want to rush into the Justice League. Yeah, they can do even as independent of each other these little yeah. one-off story films I and do, then maybe I, franchise i do there. wonder and i also i think it'd be cool to see pattinson's batman like crossover oh. he could be in the flash movie for all we know but i think this batman movie feels very reminiscent of the nolan films yeah well we've <laughs> talked about before how matt reeves has come out he came out swinging, saying, "I'm going for Nolan's, you know, legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do Nolan better." Yeah, he literally said the words, <laughs> "I want to do better than Christopher Nolan." So, outside of that, I just wanted to ask you. I don't think we've talked about this yet, even before the cast. Outside of like how you feel about this being a Batman adaptation, how do you feel about this movie compared to what Nolan did as a Batman adaptation? No, no, no. A, as as like. Movie? Like, thinking of this film as an adaptation of Nolan's Batman. Like, how do you think this measures up with Nolan's film without the comics coming into play? It's an interesting question. Disregarding, like, the obvious similarities to The Dark Knight, if you were to, like, rank this next to Nolan's films. I would say, I think Matt Reeves went into a great amount of detail around every corner. You can see it, you know, and I'd I'd even heard at one point that the, the bat logo on his chest was supposed to be a split in half uh, gun that was used to gun down his parents and that's what he wears on his chest like okay. so there's a great amount of detail that go- went into this movie and I don't want to shy away from that and I don't want to what I'm about to say to to be uh, jaded by <laughs> but but I think Nolan is a more meticulous filmmaker and I don't think he would have let a scene happen in his movie like the Barry Keegan scene yeah. uh, or the scene that we saw where he like took out or where Robert Pattinson's shirtless with his like Tobey Maguire emo haircut and he's spray painting the floor Batman would never do that either that was another part of the movie that really took me out of it mm. I don't think Nolan would have ever let something like that happen and so it's really hard to compare yourself to Nolan and be like I'm gonna do it better I mean, there's not a scene, not one scene in a Nolan film that feels hammy or like not necessary. I mean, I haven't seen one 
ever. I think people would probably talk about some of the stuff from Dark Knight Rises, but I haven't seen that film recently enough to be able to provide examples. I would disagree. I mean, I just I just watched that movie less than a year ago. Still um, feels good. I love. I mean, I loved it. There's not. I I don't understand why. Any, I'm seeing Nolan in his whole work. I think he's like a meticulous filmmaker. Yeah. I think he's sort of like a classy, if that makes sense, like filmmaker. Like he does wear he, suits. He, he there's a lot of class and like polish to his movies that really feel like it makes it feel really immersive. Like you're like you're being absorbed by the thing that you're watching. And Matt Reeves like was nearly there but it's like there was like a couple things about his movie that like felt a little bit off and that's why i was saying that like it felt like i liked about 90 92 percent of it and that there was about 10 or 8 percent that felt like eh. Mm -hmm. that was a bit of a swing and a miss scene like you you could have cut that scene made the runtime shorter made your movie better and and your movie would have been better and stronger for it, but yeah, that's so, true. So like, yeah, I think I think it's close. Like, it almost to me would feel even better if like Matt Reeves came out and said we're making like in between quills uh, between the Nolan films. Like, so like this was a film between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Mm. Like that would be interesting, really cool if they canonized that idea. That's not what's happening here. That's, you know, right. Matt Reeves wants to do his own thing. But like, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think if you compare them, it, it's a bit apples and oranges for me, but they're also really similar tonally. So I, I do think every filmmaker is different. Mm -hmm. I did like this movie. Like I should say I liked it for what it was. I think it did a lot well. Um, if it didn't have, like I said, the emotional... Uh, breakthrough and the understanding of the of the characters you know i don't think i would have enjoyed it as much but i really did feel i really really did feel that matt reeves understood the characters well and that was the most important thing to me action wise and like costume design wise i wasn't a huge fan really didn't like that those were the the biggest missteps for me and some of the i know you hate the batmobile <laughs> really don't like the Batmobile. Really don't like the Bat suit, to be honest. Although it did, it did put some meat on Robert Pattinson. Yeah, and made him look more imposing. Gosh, that like I really hated that scene where he like gets to the top of the roof and doesn't know what to do, and he hesitates for a second, and he like he put he like pulls a cord and like a marshmallow pops on him, and then he has a squirrel suit and he flies and he's 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 young Batman. He's finding his, his I stride. Really, really didn't tank. like that. I really didn't <laughs> like that. It shows like the, uh, well, again, yeah, it, it's paradox. It's like uh, counter to your vision of, of the perfect genius intellect of comic Batman. But this is, if we haven't already hit this beat, uh, a young Batman who is yeah. still figuring his shit out. Yeah. Both like, you know, character wise and literally with his, his tech. Like mm -hmm. he's probably never really used that thing outside of a test scenario. Because he he totally flubs the landing on the squirrel suit, and, and that's that's something I guess it's it's actually a great example of one thing I would like to delineate is I'm used to the Batman from the comic books who's in a world where there's super powered people. This feels like a Batman in a world where no one is super powered, so he has not had to do any prep 
or has any recognition of like what it would mean to coexist amongst superpowered people or fight against superpowered people. And so this is like, or at least this is like the Nolan version of Batman where you're, you're like, you called it grounded, but it's to (laughs) me, to me, it's just, yeah. But to me, it's just like, you see the, the ramifications every step of the way where he gets shot and he's sort of down and out because he's, he's actually just a person. Well, he takes a lot of bullets. Sorry. I mean like from like a shotgun, you know, something like that. An elephant gun, like point blank at the stomach. And he's down and out because he's just a person and he has to, he has to inject himself with like a shot of adrenaline to like get going again. That is not something, I mean, that actually is something that Batman might do, but the element of like the superhero or the superpowered, we live in a, a universe with other people that have pa- like actual like superpowers, mm-hmm. like in like biological enhancements that Batman has to be prepared to fight against. And so that element of the comic books is completely lost here. And that is another thing that uh, really bothers me about this kind of Batman movie. I, I personally wouldn't make it this like grounded and, and realistic and, but, but again, the, I do feel like he understood the characters and their motives, the relationships between them. I do feel like they captured the tone, like the feeling of Batman in a large way. Um, and the emotion. And that's the biggest part for me is the emotion, regardless of the fact that like action wise and like, this isn't the Batman that's going to be going toe to toe with Superman. And I, I wish that this was like, I wish that this story existed within the world where he could just pick up some kryptonite and go fight Superman immediately. You know what I mean? He'll need, I, he'll need to bulk up. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just kryptonites enough. Yeah. but Come on. Anyway, I'd like to say I loved, we, we mentioned this coming out of the film, but, uh, all the stuff they did with the noir angles in this film. Yeah. Uh, basically from a production design standpoint, like how just absolutely gross Gotham is in this movie. It's always wet and rainy. It felt like a Ridley Scott's Blade Runner was, was shining through here. Like every, every other shot that wasn't Dusk or Dawn was just in the middle of the night. And I, I adore that, uh, that kind of, you know, noir yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. And everything was wet. Yeah. Everything we, is raining. So many shots, especially in the beginning of the film, of just dark I, alleyways. I agree. Uh, or Batman may or may not be emerging from said dark alleyways. Yeah. And that stuff was was awesome to me. Putting the fear like in... He is the shadows. Yeah. Putting, yeah, exactly. Putting the fear in the criminals of Gotham City. I also thought they did the... I think this was maybe my favorite version of the bat signal the mm-hmm. the spotlight i i've never seen one as good as this i liked this one a lot i liked how it looked i liked how it felt and i liked how how much it was referenced in the movie they looked up to it all the time yeah um and saw it in the sky whether it was through from the perspective of like a thug or from the perspective of batman himself so i really liked that they kept coming back to that because that's a huge thing in the comic books as well yeah i really didn't like the batmobile I would like to see the next Batmobile in this universe, like where maybe he can enter from the top. I also would like to see Robin. I think they like kind of alluded to it. Like there could be like the boy, something there. Yeah. Showing. Cause Tim, Tim Drake isn't an orphan Robin. He has one parent and, and they could do something like that. But 
man yeah it's like can we just expand the batman universe a little bit like because it's so much more expansive in the comic book universe and i'm just kind of tired of these versions of the same thing over and over again um i'm not saying it's bad it's still good it's just i just you want more well there, there's there is so much more to play with from the comic book or from the comic books and uh we just aren't seeing it here and uh yeah i do have to to second your comment about the noir feeling i, I love that as well um i also really loved it like gotham and the people really felt like my, had much more of a presence that felt a lot more full like fuller than the nolan films as far as like the Gotham representation. I also really love that like Selena Kyle or Zoe Kravitz at the end said like, you already have a lover or something. And she was implying that Gotham was his love because that's, that is like true Batman is like Batman is first and foremost. will do anything. Uh, he'll, he'll like go to the ends of the earth to sacrifice himself for the sake of Gotham. And so I love that they threw that in there. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, like a like a lover or something like that. And not as much of a toxic lover anymore cuz now Batman's found a little bit of hope and the city at least views him in a positive way. That was another thing that was cool. I really liked about it was like he actually like walked over and started helping out civilians. Like that was so cool and then he's leading them through the water. Yeah. That imagery at the end. He had like, you know, a 100 people following him with like a flare. Yeah. Was so, so cool. I really liked that a lot. Some messianic undertones there. Yeah. Gotta love that in my superhero movie. Yeah. But yeah, uh, overall, (laughs) you know, if we're, we can wrap it up, I guess, you know, unless you have other things you want to keep beating the dead horse of, uh, this is not my lover, but it's, she'll do. I personally, who has no, um, deep emotional connection with the comic books. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Not perfect, but but very good. Didn't didn't hate the runtime. I was constantly I'm curious how it'll hold up on a second viewing, you know, cuz when you know all the beats of a detective yeah. film, sometimes it can get bogged down. Yeah. Especially in a 3-hour runtime. But I'm looking forward to seeing it again because every part of it was uh, enjoyable and seemed like quality. So I don't know. I'd rate it. I'd rate it highly. Yeah, I think I'd give it like an eight point five out of ten, probably, maybe an eight actually. But yeah, if you like grungy Nirvana Batman, this is the movie for you. <laughs> Go out there, check it out, support your theater, your local theater. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to see it again? I'm actually seeing it again this evening. You're going back to the theater to see it. My other friends wanted to see it too. Wow. So. But it's a regular showing, not IMAX, which is a little sad because I think the this movie sound yeah in the IMAX theater it earned it earned the the big. I don't think I've ever heard, not even in Dune, that specific IMAX theater that we love so much pushed to that limit. I don't know if I'd agree with that particular take. <laughs> Dune <laughs> blew the shit up. <laughs> they actually were like peaking, like in this for well, some of it was. I was actually hoping that some of the punches would come in harder. But a lot of it, you're right, was very loud, like the cars. and. There was specifically one scene where it was making the sound system peak. 
particularly in the low end. It was so bassy in that the one rumble. part. The rumble. It was pushing the speaker to its max, which was pretty incredible. That's how movies meant to be seen. Yeah, for sure, sure. <laughs> I know some people can't take that decibel, yeah. but uh, I was, it, was, it was a treat. Yeah, it was awesome. I would actually want to see it again in IMAX. I don't know if I would want to see it again in a theater. I don't know. I'll let you know. Unless it was IMAX. Anyway, here is the two notes. That, Michael Giacchino. That Michael Giacchino came up with for the Batman score. 